There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show. Questions from the audience here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly and his outstanding staff at the HomeLoanExpert.com, the sponsor of our studios on the Tim McKernan Show. Questions from the audience coming your way midweek, every week. And I'm happy to announce that, you know, last year when we launched this uh podcast, which was uh, October 1st of 2017, so we're approaching our first anniversary, um, we decided to add a gambling podcast, and and of the three that we did each week um, with the guests, which would be uh, on Sunday nights, Monday mornings, and the questions from the audience, and the gambling podcast with me and producer Joe... I, I didn't like it. I didn't feel like it was that good, but I also didn't want to bail on it, so we kept doing it, but I knew that we wanted to improve it if we were going to do it again. Um, and I think one of the things that was a very good observation from multiple people in the audience, and you're always welcome to give observations, I want them, uh, at Tima Kernan at InsideSTL.com was Joe and I have done this for a few years, and it was usually written on InsideSTL.com or posted on the TMA page, the fan page on Facebook, and he would pick three pro games, three college games, and uh, and then we would pick a lock of the week. And so oftentimes we'd be opining on games that we have no uh, real feeling on, like, oh, these are the three best NFL games, these are the three best college games, and... You know, you're sitting there going, well, I don't really care. You know, I don't know. I don't have a feeling on this teams, you know, like the Ravens are playing the Bengals. I don't know. So what we're going to do this year is every week that they're playing, we'll pick Missouri. But other than that, it'll be me, producer Joe, and a gentleman by the name of Justin Guerra. Um, and we'll release it on Thursdays for your weekend wagering because we want to get more into sports gambling, daily fantasy, um, and, and do it in a way where we're picking games that we actually have strong feelings on uh, and ideally deliver a healthy winning percentage. We'll see how it plays out. So uh, that's another podcast. So now you're going to have three a week here on the Tim McKernan Show uh, and without the HomeLoanExpert.com and without Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, we wouldn't be able to do all of this. So grateful for their support, grateful for you supporting the sponsors, James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent. Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet, Seth Goldcamp and his crew at Design Air Heating and Cooling and our video clips, all of that, uh, they make it possible here on the Tim McKernan Show and the Inside STL Podcast Network. I always, for whatever reason, and maybe I'll do more of these because I do enjoy them, and I don't know why, I, do, I always record the questions from the audience following TMA. And for whatever reason, it's a weird, I'm on the radio for three hours, but I feel like I don't necessarily get to expound on some things that I do want to expound on. So this is an odd deal because, because being just whatever straightforward, I feel like 
this would be a horrible thing to listen to because it's just me talking. There's zero production, uh, and 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 there's nobody else, and it would strike me as being boring. But yet the numbers are good for it, um, both the downloads and people say they enjoy it. And you know whether it be like talking about last week, um, the thought process on inside some history on InsideSTL.com. And then uh, the discussion, you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint of that, and then also the, you know, elements of decisions and what we would do if we were to, you know, put more focus back on it, because I really haven't done anything with it over the last couple of years. And I got a lot of emails from people and it, and it energized people, not necessarily be, in some part because of Inside STL, but in another part because of, um, it just, it, it ignites people who are entrepreneurs or interested in being entrepreneurs. And so it gets their wheels turning. So I like that. And I love coming in here and doing it. Like Gangster Pete just came in here and he wanted to go over a couple of things with regard to Inside STL. I said, I'm just going to sit here and listen because for whatever reason, and I don't know why, it's just like me showing up at the studio at 7.05 with TMA, 7.07, 7.05, uh, after you know doing the show for 14 years. I mean, I was up at 4.50 today and I still walked in here at 7.05. I have, and I live two minutes I have no idea why. I just know I do it, and I know that the show fortunately works, and so I'm not going to mess with it. Um, hopefully at some point, some management person, you know, whenever it might be, comes in, well, you got to get in here an hour beforehand and messes with the thing that works. We haven't run into that, uh, and I don't even know at this point if, if we would, would would ever go to another radio station with, with podcasts becoming more prevalent anyway. Um, but just... It, it's just things that work. And so that's on the front end of the radio show and on the back end of the radio show for whatever reason, and I have no idea why, I just know that I, I need to like unwind. And it's the weirdest thing it's not like I'm really doing much on the radio. At least I don't think I'm doing much on the radio show. I guess I am, but I don't feel like I am. And I just know that I need like usually 20 or 30 minutes to just like read emails and just look at my fantasy baseball team or something like that and not have a lot of conversations about work-related things. No idea why. I just know that that's how I am. Um, so sometimes I guess when I'm doing the interviews and they're at 10.15, which I request, and it's great that they the guests will come in at 10.15 or get on the phone at 10.15, I'm thinking to myself, I probably should push that back because I know I need my for whatever reason, I have no idea. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Like there's an actual biochemical or psychological reason for it, but I don't know what the hell it is. I just know that's the way I am. But with questions from the audience, for whatever reason, I enjoy it. I mean, maybe because basically I'm just sitting here and just babbling. And so I'm like unwinding this way by talking. So I look forward to doing questions from the audience in that sense I might be interested in doing it more or doing something else where I'm, I don't know, just, just talking because it seems like they're, to my surprise, like legitimate surprise. The first surprise was that I could do it, uh, which then opened up the door of doing an hour of radio by myself because I never, it's not that I didn't think I could do it. I just, I never done it. So it didn't really even cross my mind. I'm like, oh, I can do it. And it's not even a sweat. So I can do a radio show. Uh, by myself, but not mess with TMA. So I would do it on either, you know, I guess on the, the front end, six, six to seven, if that ever gets going, who knows? I don't know. 
But I like doing questions from the audience. I like that it gets a good number of listens, and I like that people continue to submit questions, and then I can kind of deep dive into things and give you more context because for whatever reason at times with TMA, even though I certainly could, it's not like anybody's restricting me from doing it, um, I'm, I'm just hesitant to go off on tangents because, you know, they're, they're or at the very least two other co-hosts, but really a total of five other people on the show. And it's never about one person per se. So that's the thought process. So this is, this is where you might get more, um, if you're really looking for it and, uh, and it allows me to, uh, to give a deeper dive or context on some things. So feel free to submit questions anytime, whether it be a team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. If you, if I don't respond, there's a, uh, there's a chance that I didn't get it and we're switching email servers. I, it's so bad that I don't get emails, but it, apparently it happened. Uh, so, uh, T McKernan at hotmail.com. Yes. I, uh, I actually have a hotmail account. Um, if the inside STL one isn't working. So with that said, with that all established, uh, it is time to have some questions from the audience and it's all presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, somebody that I have gotten to know, somebody who I have gotten to know, better grammar, grammar. Um, and I uh, and now, you know, sit there when I look back on my uh, 20s and go, when I wish I would have known Mark then. And I don't know about you. But from my standpoint, I have a major regret about how I manage my money in my 20s and 30s. I'm almost embarrassed by it. But there is someone who can help you. It doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is that guy. I met with Mark and was thinking it'd be good to have a new sponsor on the podcast. But I want to find out if he knows what he's talking about. And sure enough, after talking to him, I was saying to myself, I wish I would have known Mark 20 years ago because I would be in a different position now by managing my money smartly then. And that is the key that people don't think about when it comes to managing money. And it's so important. I sat with Mark. He opened his iPad. He entered the dollar figures. It could be your 401k. It could be your savings. It could be your investments. And he puts you and your family on the right path for what you want. He helps people every day and he helps everyday people build a strategy to get to their financial goals. He helps build a strategy to put your kids through college to keep you from having to work until you're 95 years old and not get blasted on taxes and make sure your family is taken care of in the case of the unthinkable happening. His name is Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Give him a call, 314-889-0503, 314-889-0503, or check him out online at evergreenstl.com. Let him know the Tim McKernan Show and the Inside STL Podcast Network sent you. So let's go into some questions from the audience. Uh, and um, I always like when people email them or post them on the fan page and uh, and getting and getting people's perspective. And, you know, I wanted to, one of the things I was thinking about doing, because this is also the entrepreneurial stuff has resonated, the golf stuff has resonated. And that's that I don't know where that comes from, because I don't feel like the, I don't feel like I bring golf up on the podcast. I'm asked about it. Um, and so I'm happy to talk about it. It's a, it's a major interest of mine. And then also health and fitness. Um, and I don't think this is coming from a place of like, oh, you're so ripped, bro. But from the perspective of knowledge when it comes to it. Uh, and so that is, uh, that's what I'm happy to talk about because I do think there is, um, 
I, I, I don't want to say a lack of knowledge so much as misinformation out there. And so this question comes from JR. Tim, quick question. Do you think that starting yoga has contributed to your improvement at golf since your hiatus from the sport? And if so, how much, comparatively speaking, would you say it was new equipment and or strength training? Um, so it all kind of ties in uh, with that. And, and so, you know, when I stopped playing uh, which was 2005, basically, um, up until 2016. When I stopped playing in 2005, if I broke 90, it was a surprise. That would kind of be the goal. And now, I don't know if it's going to be possible this year, but I would like to see if I could, you know, the goal was to try to get into uh, the 60s at, at my course, um, which is a par 68, Um and I don't know, it's just possible because I was, I was in the mix for an even par round uh, just a couple days ago. So that was the goal going to, and I wanted to shoot in the 70s at a, at a non-Westboro course. So I uh, was able to do that earlier on in the year. And I think to myself, how in the hell did I improve when I didn't play for 11 years? So you have to factor in equipment. I guess I'm in better shape, although I wasn't in bad shape. I, I just lift and lifted more in the last couple of years than I did then, although I lifted, I didn't have like a routine. Uh, I did a lot of cardio. And I think a lot of people go into gyms and do cardio because they just want to go into the gym to be able to check off psychologically that they went into the gym. But it, it, it actually might not be helping you. And it actually might play a role in, in uh, you know, losing muscle. And these are things that, that in some capacity sound counterintuitive and or it challenges fitness or, you know, nutrition dogma. And so it makes me wonder about having the guy who uh, I talk about. And I don't want to make it come off like he's like the end all be all. I'm just saying I can speak to him personally, speak for his style personally, because I, you know, I still haven't ever talked to the man, but. Uh, having interviewed uh, or not having interviewed him yet, but reading his book, that that's all I did. I implemented that workout and uh, the nutrition guidelines. And that's where I saw like it wasn't just like, oh, after six months, it was after a month. And the issue, though, with the workout is, is that it it's about lifting heavy weights, you know, like low reps, quick workouts, not and, and not quick workouts in the sense that. You lift and then you rest for 30 seconds and then you go again with another set. But quick in the sense that you're doing like, I don't know, I'll give you an example of like a, a, a chest workout. Be, uh, I guess, three warm-up sets of incline uh, presses. Then your three proper sets with like the weight that you actually want to press six times. Then flat dumbbell presses. Then bench press. Then some... Uh, uh, I don't even know what the right term for it is. I can picture it like you're pulling face pulls, I think is what they call them. And then that's it. Now, you, three times a week, you would do ab exercises, um, but you're done. And you can be done like within minutes. And I think what he said in the book, uh, Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, Mike Matthews is his name, is sometimes you'll leave the gym and go, that doesn't feel right. Because when I have worked out in the past, I've been going, you know, I'll, I'll be to the point of exhaustion. And he goes, you don't want to be there, but you don't want to be there because then you're like, oh, I don't want to go back and do that thing again. So psychologically, it makes sense. So the issue with it, though, is if you're lifting heavier weights, and even though I don't, quote unquote, feel like when growing up, you hear somebody's 40 and you go, oh, that motherfucker's old. And now I'm 41. 
usually that person in their 40s isn't like lifting more than they've ever lifted before. Now, we all could, theoretically, um, but that's not usually the way people's trajectories go as far as, as, you know, working out. But when you're doing that and you are in your 40s, you can wind up, you know, I don't want to say getting injured, but having aches and pains or getting injured, certainly, that you otherwise wouldn't, which then gets to your question, JR, about yoga. And I, I want to make this clear. It's the first off, when I do yoga, I'm usually one of maybe two or three men in the class. And if there are men in the class, most of them are able to do it at a level that you know, I don't think I will ever be able to do. And then, like I said, if I'm one of only a couple of men in the class, that means there are women in the class and they're able to do it, you know, incredibly better than I can. And so you have, you know, I'm falling all over the place, but, you know, you do get aches and pains and I do think yoga helps with that. And I don't know, especially, you know, perhaps in St. Louis versus say if we were in, you know, I don't know, pick whatever cosmopolitan city, a guy doing yoga isn't as common, but I really would recommend it. And again, this is coming from somebody that, you know, is not good at it. And, you know, and, and while I'm doing it, I don't really enjoy it, but I don't really enjoy it because I still don't feel like I know how to do some things properly. And I feel like I'm on the verge of injuring myself, but then I get through it and I'm like, man, that really felt good. And then I feel good for a couple of days. So I don't know if, if it's, I don't know how much yoga has contributed to the golf. I know this, I think yoga certainly plays a role in flexibility and agility. And that is important as you do get older. And especially if you're going to be lifting heavier weights. So in that sense, that's where I would say, I feel like a benefactor of yoga, but I want to make it clear. It's not like I'm doing yoga. Uh, you know, I don't even know. Um, you know, two times a week. That's not where I am. If anything, I'm doing it one time a week. And, uh, and that's, that's what works for me, but I really would recommend it in a, in a major way. Actually, I would recommend it. Uh, all right. Next question. This one got some attention, some, some traction on the fan page. And honestly, as I look at it, I don't, and I, I don't, I don't know what my kind of discover it as I talk about it. If you could change one thing about the show right now, what would it be? And that I would imagine is, is in reference to TMA. Um, and I, you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, if you're just isolating on the actual show and not like any of the things that are outside of our control, so to speak, I just don't, you know, I mean, we have such a good group um, with, you know, with obviously Doug, the cat and I have been working together now for it's approaching 11 years. The cat and I specifically have been working together for 14 plus years. Uh, the Plowhawk's been a part of it for, I think, four years. Iggy's been a part of it now regularly for two years, but he's been a part of it before two different times. But I think Iggy is a huge part of the show uh, and certainly more um, of a presence now than the previous two times. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, we'll see how it plays out because Gangster Pete is, uh, you know, is at this point uh, doing this out of the goodness of his heart, so to speak, but working with me on Inside STL. But it's just a good group of people. And then also you have Jay Randolph Jr. and Charlie Marlowe for when one of the three 
hosts is not in, and obviously the cat misses, you know, a decent amount of time with baseball um, every year. So those guys are very important. So as far as that goes, I don't know, but people, you know, it, it was asked and it got a few likes. And so I'm like, okay, I guess people want, want to hear me discuss this. And the issue for it is I don't really know, you know, I, I, I guess if I were to, I feel like the thing that you start as you, as you get older. And then really, I think it's when, once I had a son and you have a child for whatever reason, at that point, mortality, you become more cognizant of it. I can't say you, I can say I, I became more cognizant of it. Um, and so along those lines, it's something I said last week when discussing inside STL and, and the entrepreneurial element of it, um, you recognize how things don't last forever. And so when things don't last forever, my thought process is to try to capitalize on it and maximize it. And I think the thing that at this moment for me, and I can only speak for me, although I'm pretty confident, actually I am certain uh, that both Doug and the cat would echo this, is we're all aware of how lucky we are for the show to be um, what it is. And by that, it's a combination of things. First off, a job. Um, you know, I mean, that's you're just lucky in that sense that it's a job. I mean, is it, that it's a career. That there's there's no way around it. You, if you listen to the Rizzuto interview from 105.7 The Point, we both said the same thing. Uh, Frank Opinion of uh, 590 The Fan, our afternoon drive show, and a legend in St. Louis. We had that same conversation for an interview that's going to be coming up. So anybody who is lucky enough to do it and do it for a few years and enjoy it, you you can't help but feel like it's good fortune because you know it's not really a job. And so you know you're lucky. So there's that element of it. But there are a number of people who are on the radio, but our thing, fortunately, has this loyal audience. And when I say this, and I thought Frank Opinion, um, not like this was his whole point, but he drove home a point, which is, you know, people say, oh, you're a celebrity. And he goes, yes, I am to like a sliver of the population, a sliver of the population. And he presented the example that if you get a 10 share in radio, he goes, and nobody gets a 10 share, but he goes, let's just say that. He goes, that means that 10% of the area is listening to you. But it also means that 90% is not. And therefore, if you come across 10 people, nine of those 10 people will have no idea nor care who you are. But to the one of the 10 who do, it's a big deal. And they are incredibly loyal to whether it be his show, Frank Opinion show, or our show in the morning. So you feel incredibly fortunate. The thing about it is, is for us is, you know, and I talked about this with Frank also, you'll hear the conversation for us. It's always been, I mean, really almost always been, uh, a case of, yeah, the seven to 10 is great. We love the seven to 10 part by that. I mean, the three hours of the show, but there are so many things going on oftentimes behind the scenes, and this goes back to 2004 when the thing started, that, that you know, it becomes the, the, is the juice worth the squeeze analytic? And so 
you know, in the past, like when we had Dave Glover in, for example, uh, or Lux in or Learn in and all of them at that time worked at Emmis. And I was talking to them about their, the stability of Emmis and the stability of their jobs. They'd all only worked at one place. And I just said, you have no idea how envious I am of that. And Glover said something like, yes, yeah, but then that builds complacency. And I look at you and the stuff you've, you've built. And I go, yeah, but I did that not because I'm some wizard, but because it was out of necessity. So I still certainly would trade the stability, but then also, you know, when it gets down to it, the ability to um, tap into reaching more people. And like I said, with regard to podcasting now, that's, that's kind of the direction. It's not kind of, it is the direction it's going um, it's just, it's a, it's a process in, in the sense that it's, it, it's, it's going to just take some time for it to be as commonplace for, if you're listening to this, you obviously podcast, but as you probably are aware, uh, there are a healthy number of people who don't, or you have to explain it to them. And then when you do like my dad, my dad might be listening to this right now. And now he goes, I can't wait to listen to the podcast. Um, once you know how to do it, it's like, why would I, why would I do anything else? I mean, it's on demand content. It's kind of like now I've gotten into YouTube and by that, I mean, not like, I mean, YouTube's been around for a while. I'm talking about like, just like watching television via YouTube for as much as on demand as Netflix was, uh, and is YouTube's even more so, um, because it can just be like 10 minute things of, of things that, that are, you know, catered to and created for you based on your habits. And so, um, that's what podcasting is. And yes, it's chopped up the variety of platforms as options for advertisers. And it makes it more difficult to get advertising dollars versus back in the day uh, to an extent, really even before my day, but certainly within the last 10 years, you can even notice it shift, but it also allows people to do their own thing and own their own content. And so in that capacity, you know, I would rather have it this way um, because I think the days of bouncing around from station to station, I wouldn't say they're over, but I would say they're probably coming to an end soon. And I say that because if you have an audience, and if you have advertisers, you can just take that content and put it up via podcast and still be able to reach those people, reach them as often as you want, uh, and then also have it be your career. I do believe that to be the case. I mean, certainly there are examples of that at a national level. I don't think it's happened yet locally. Um, and some people have said, why don't you just do podcasts? I'm like, oh, why would I love, I love doing TMA from seven to 10, you know, and I'm hell if anything, I'm interested in expanding and, and doing my own show from six to seven. So it's not a, it's not a case of not wanting to do radio. It's just looking at the landscape. And when you look at the landscape, it's not just about looking at the land. It's about looking out on the horizon and, and looking out into the ocean and seeing what waves are coming in before ideally everybody else sees them and then you're a play ahead. So, you know, when you say, what would you like to see changed now? I don't really, I really don't have an, I really don't have an answer. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I think a producer Joe dynamic on the show with Iggy if it can be friendly, testy, and not legitimately testy, would be entertaining as hell. Because Joe is this 
personality who unapologetically does not give a shit if you like him or dislike him. And Iggy is the same, except they don't get along. And so if you had that going along with me, Doug and the cat slash Jennings slash Charlie and the Plowhawk on the ones and twos, and then somebody who I believe is as responsible as gangster Pete kind of as the business manager to show, I mean, that, that to me would, would make the thing fire at another at another level, but that's not, I'm saying something and people go, Oh my gosh, producer Druckmann. It's not, that's not, that is not even remotely on the table, but I'm just trying to come up with something. My, that's because I don't have anything. That's, that's, I'm trying to come up with something. I don't think I would change the hours. You change the hours. Then you, that means you're changing hosts. Um, you know, if you were to put it in the afternoon, the cat certainly couldn't do it. Um, and, and, and I really, at this point, you know, it used to be 10 years ago or even five years ago, getting up at take your pick of whatever hour it was was a problem. And now I'm at a point where I get up and I actually kind of prefer to get up early that it's not even a thing. Now I know if you're used to getting up at seven or eight o'clock, you're going, oh my God, you get up at five o'clock, but it's just not a thing. And I kind of like it. I, I love my hour or two of peace um, with no texts, mostly no emails and just being able to read. I love, you know, I, that I don't know. I don't know what would hell. I'll pose it to you. What would you change? What would you change? Email me. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something um, obvious. I think the thing is good enough. You know, people say, "What about syndication?" I don't know. I mean, part of me goes, "Well, it's so St. Louis centric," but then I go, "It's is." I don't know. I don't really think it is that St. Louis centric. I mean, how much of the content is really like? Well, the Cardinals played last night. Let's talk about, you know, Jack Flaherty's start and what he's been able to do. And I, I mean, it's like, yeah, well, we're going to be now be on in 15 markets. You can't talk about the Cardinals. I go, fine. Who gives a shit? It's fine with me. It's not like I'm not going to be a Cardinal fan anymore. It's just why I don't talk about it. But we don't talk about it for 90% of the show anyway. Can't talk about the Blues. Okay, it's fine. Doesn't mean I'm not going to be a Blues fan. Can't talk Missouri football. It's fine. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think it's, an, I don't think it's uh, something that I would consider an option. But um, I, the, the, I think the thing, I guess if I were to f- give like an answer that would be finite in some capacity, it would be whenever the cast of this show changes, and it has changed multiple times over the 14 years it's been on the air. Um, I mean, I, for real, I think if you're including hosts and producers, so we're not even talking about intern, host producers and board operators, you're probably talking about 30 people who have been a part of it. But to the people listening right now, you think of, at this point, I would imagine five people who have been a part of it with me, Doug and the Cat, and Iggy and the Plowhawk, which is great because it becomes like a family. Um, but the reality is it changes. And also then the reality is for the people who don't leave, then you hear, oh, so-and-so is no longer here. It's a huge deal. And then it, then it's a weird spot. Because when so-and-so does leave, you're like, yeah, we'll be fine. But then if you say that, it can come off as, oh, then you're saying so-and-so wasn't a big deal. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I've been through it at this point for over 14 years. been through it a hell of a lot of times. And I, you know, you know, I know the offense. And I know the offense works. You just got to have the right people on the roster to run the offense. So, you know, this, this group right now... Um, and is and this again, this is one of the things this is why Tony LaRusse would never ask. Well, I mean, is this team as good as the eighty eight or eighty nine A's, you know, the two thousand four ah, never want to compare because then it's disrespectful. So now when you ask that, I get it. As far as comparing different eras, because obviously producer Joe and the non gay and Martin Kilcoin, um, you know, I mean, 
all either incredibly talented or amusing parts of the show. But, you know, I just, I feel like this group right now, uh, especially when you include Charlie and Jay on the rotation, is as good as it's ever been. But but also part of that probably is is because it's 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 the largest the audience has ever been, and so you have a large cast of people contributing content when you also include the audience and text messages. So I know that the question wanted an answer, and I there there's my answer. I'm not keeping anything back. I'm trying to find a better answer, but that's 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 the honest answer. And I apologize if the answer did not satisfy the question. And the question right under it is, do you like spanking most guys over 50 or just Doug? Um, and, uh, and that kind of gives you an idea of what can pop up on the on the fan page. Um, so there are a couple that I do want to answer on the fan page. Uh, another one was big question. I'm looking to get answered. Where that tushy booth? Where that tushy booth? A. Uh, and I just, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm going to fade that one. Here's one, uh, that I'm happy to answer, uh, because I think it's a fair question. I think it's a fair question and I don't shy away from it. Um, it's in a, in a sense, it's kind of, I don't, I don't want to say I have like some kind of code regarding talking family on the show, but if I do talk family, I'm conscious of talking about stuff that I, I'm pretty confident that whatever family member I'm talking about wouldn't care if I'm talking about it. Um, so with that said, the question is, what do your in-laws think of TMA and your porn talk? Um, and I, I like that question. I like that question. And I don't think the question was like, yeah, you're a pervert. You shouldn't be doing this. Why do you, you know, I don't think that was the angle of the question. I think it was legitimate curiosity. And I think it's a good, I think it's a healthy question because, um, I understand. I think. I think there's probably other people who wonder that. Um, so, uh, you know, let's just include all family members, not make it specific to my in-laws. But you know, both my parents and my in-laws. I think it would be fair, and I think they would prou- be proud to be described as religious people, people of faith. Um, I am at this moment in my life, and for about the last, uh, would the math be twenty years? I guess uh, would consider myself not. However, I am open to it. I just, my issue for the record, because uh, I think sometimes it gets portrayed one way when it's not, um, the golden rule from a number of theology classes, uh, and granted, these are these are Catholic, um, so it would be different for everybody's respective faiths, uh, but it goes back to just love thy neighbor, treat others how you would want to be treated, which I feel like kind of simplifies the world. Um, live and let live. That's where I am. And I think my irritation with religion isn't so much with digging into um, whether or not it's believable, whether or not it really happened, um, dogma, so much as what I consider to be the hijacking of some teachings and some lessons and um, stories that in and of themselves oftentimes are, for lack of a better term, beautiful and have incredible value, even 2,000 years later, uh, that they are hijacked, and I can only speak to, to the United States, as some kind of way to justify, whether it be in the recent past, racial bigotry, 
current times, uh, discrimination against sexual orientations, and then and then used to win elections. And it nauseates me. It nauseates me. I think for some who are Catholic, raised Catholic, born Catholic, whatever you'd want to call it, because I would describe myself as agnostic, uh, I think for some Catholics, especially with recent news, but this goes back well beyond recent news, Pennsylvania, uh, a lot has to do with the sex scandals in the church with priests. Um, and that was where the backlash began for some people. Um, and I understand that, uh, you know, so it, it, it to, to, again, it just, for me, it's to each their own. And I, I just, some, in some cases for me, this isn't a label. I'm, I'm just, these are my experiences, just like I was talking about with radio, my experiences, some of the biggest frauds I have met are the people who will either be making sure they're sitting in the front row at church so you can see them or, you know, talking about Jesus, but like saying things while using his name that would be at least based on the New Testament that I read uh, and was taught for you know all of grade school and all of high school uh, would not be something that he'd be on board with and or politicians who then, so I just go, what? like, and how is this not obvious? But then you get in a weird spot because then you start talking about it and then you put your career at risk by talking about it. So I'm even, I'm entering into a high risk area, but you know, this is my little world. So this is what we're going to talk about. So the question was asked about my in-laws specifically, but I'm going to use my family and talk about faith because I think that's where it enters into as if the two can't coexist. And by that, I mean, that religion and sexuality can't coexist. I'll take it a step further. That being a good person, now definition of good person is different. Like sometimes I'll hear people, oh, he's a good Christian. Like, well, how, how's a Jewish guy listening feel about that? How's an agnostic guy feel about that? I mean, like the self-awareness of the statement, but whatever. I, like I said, I, it, it doesn't affect me, but hey, we're making observations, questions were asked, I'm giving you my opinion. That, the, the the thought process that sexuality is bad and then therefore one who discusses it is either acting badly or inappropriately is is a I think a a commonly accepted thought process in most of society in 2018. And so I like to challenge that. Now, I don't go out of my way to challenge it. I was like, okay, now it's time for Tim to talk about sex and, and say how you can still be a good person and talk about sex. But I, 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 I find it amusing, really, that, you know, let's say an athlete or a coach is involved with some kind of abuse, domestic abuse, violence, um, off the field, off the court, off the ice, whatever issues. But then that person can, you know, issue the standard, I apologize, and then come back. And then like a week later after the Twitter pitchfork mafia has moved on, it's almost forgotten or is forgotten. And then you have that person on and it's fine to have that person on your show. But then if you have somebody who is a sex worker on the show, oh, I can't advertise on that show. Well, I mean, they're, they're a consenting adult doing something that's not against the law, 
but somehow it's, I, I, I mean, legitimately, I wonder about that. It's like when I say, I understand I can't say the word fuck when I'm hosting the radio show. And I understand I can say, I can say the word fuck when I'm doing the podcast. I don't understand why I just know what the rules are. And so I adhere to them, even though they are not my personal rules, but I'm just pointing out what I, what I find to be, you know, some, some kind of societal conundrum. So along those lines, uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the conversations about uh, porn or sexuality and how my family feels about it, um, what I would like to think, because it's certainly not anything anybody's ever said, hey, don't talk about that, um, that I, I, they, they know me and they see how I behave uh, you know, when I'm not on the radio and it's not like, you know, they, they walk into our house and, and like I have, you know, a, a, a variety of like hustlers beaver hunt laid out, laid out on the coffee table, you know? Um, it, so my whole premise is unless I'm off the mark on this, almost every human being enjoys sex. It's a huge part of life. Uh, it's an incredibly important part of the existence of it, uh, much less the living of it. Everybody enjoys it. Everybody does it, but yet we can't talk about it. And I don't understand why. Or if we do talk about it, uh, it's, oh, you're at, you're out of line. He wouldn't say this. He's a better person. He's a good Christian. You know what I mean? And I just, okay, well, you know, I mean, what, what are our parameters for determining who is good and who is bad? And I'm not saying I'm good and somebody else is bad. I'm just saying I oftentimes get labeled as bad or you can't be on that show because they talk dirty or I can't listen to it with my kids in my car. And listen, I understand that. And again, that's to each their own. And that is a level of comfort. You know, for me, if somebody is supposedly a quote-unquote good Christian, but they're on there attacking a group of people because of something that they find to be um, immoral, I wouldn't want my son to hear that. I wouldn't want my son to hear that. That's not where I am, even though that would be labeled as, by some, good. So how do I attempt to uh, navigate it, and why, perhaps, is TMA, and I guess to another extent this show, you know, able to be on for as long as it's been on. And at this point now, um, I, I don't want to say it's above the law, but when people listen to it, you know, it's, I mean, obviously if you're, a, a you know, I mean, on this, on this podcast at the very least, and certainly on TMA, I don't know what sports figure, Mike Matheny was a guest on this podcast. Uh, and he was one of the most uh, outspoken uh, forthright about his faith people I can think of in the St. Louis sports scene and, and able to separate the two, you know, and when he did come and do a show for inside STL in 2011, he said, listen, I, I don't want any advertisements for strip bars, even though we didn't have any advertisements for strip bars, our company, uh, you know, and I don't, I just, he goes, that's not me. And I go, Mike, God bless. You know, I wouldn't want somebody to come on and I'm working for them. And they say, you got to promote, you know, the fellowship of Christian athletes, for example, that's not me. Now, I'll do a read, like, hey, this event is coming up. I'm not against that, but I'm not going to personally endorse it, just like I wouldn't expect Mike Matheny to endorse that Sassy Cassie's going to be performing at the Penthouse Club. You know, there's a difference between an endorsement and just reading something. And so that's that's the difference. And I don't see any, any difference in between the two. Um, because, again, it's a personal choice. So 
it's a good question. Um, the answer is, you know, they're, they, you know, they, 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 they know me. I mean, I'm, I'm the father of their uh, grandson. I'm married to their daughter. We've been together for a decade. Uh, I've been married for almost seven years at this point. And, you know, I mean, and that's, I mean, they see me as a father and they see me as a husband and they see me around their family members, um, you know, and they know who I am. And so talking about sex and talking about porn and being fascinated by the industry and knowing that there are thousands of other people who are, but, you know, the vast majority of people do not talk about it because they don't want to be labeled as a bad person or then risk their careers, uh, you know, that, that, that doesn't change their opinion of me. You know, I understand, listen, I totally understand it's offbeat and it's not mainstream, but as I've said a number of times, the show, uh, for better or for worse, uh, is about what engages us. And at times there are elements of the stag industry that I find to be either incredibly amusing or entertaining or fascinating or whatever the case might be. And I know a lot of the audience does as well. And so it's something that we will talk about. But I also am totally cognizant of the fact that there are plenty of people who hear that and go, I don't want to listen to it or that's inappropriate and that's fine. I guess what I would dig down into is why. Now, and I'm not saying why do you not like it? That's fine if you don't like it. That's I totally get it. But why should one not be able to talk about it? And in fairness, I haven't had anybody, and I don't even know. I mean, God, I mean, you got to go back to like the very beginning of the morning grind, I think, who said you cannot talk about that or you should not talk about that. When the show first started, there were a bunch of people who were used to like, you know, we're going to get a beat writer on at 720, then we're going to get a beat writer on at 740, then we're going to get a beat writer on at 820, and that was their idea of sports talk radio. And uh, I would be in a totally different career if that's what I had to do for a living. I'd be out. I don't They could triple my salary. I'm not doing that stuff. Bore the shit out of me. Uh, and I'd be bad at it because I'd be totally disengaged. Um, and so we did something different and there, there, you had, and most of them usually are older at the time, older, uh, you know, might no longer be with us. This is 2004 and they were freaking out. And the new group who had just bought KFNS was like, oh my God, what did we do? They're coming from Atlanta and, you know, different operation there than here as far as the listenership. And they thought they had this thing with me, Martin, and the cat, and they're hearing these, this negative feedback. And I, they never acknowledged it, but I'm confident that they were thinking about firing us, uh, not because we were behaving poorly, but because they were freaking out that this morning show that they had invested in was being received as poorly as it was from a vocal minority. And to their credit, they stayed with it, and here we are 14 years later. So... Uh, and then at that point, then those people who usually in the past in St. Louis have had power to take things out that they find to be unreligious or inappropriate, uh, they went elsewhere. And they just realized they can shout as loud as they want, but it's not going to take the thing out. And that was refreshing because, you know, the thing is has a following, had a following then, certainly has a larger following now, and is uh, is 14 years old. So... I hope that answers the question. Uh, it's a fair question. I like the question. I thought it was good when I saw it pop up uh, earlier this morning. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. I'm looking forward to answering that one because I'm, I imagine a lot of people, uh, or at least some people, have have wondered about that. Um, and so I'm, I'm comfortable talking about it. And, and just, you know, for the record, although I don't need to say it because I know I've said it a number of times, I am so lucky 
with the quality of people my in-laws are. Uh, growing up, it was like a joke. You know, I remember just watching like on 80s and 90s television, like you rip your mother-in-law and all that. And I'm sure there are people who have some rough situations. I'm just lucky. Um, my in-laws are such good people, uh, you know. So when you talk about my parents and Anna Marie's parents, just really quality people. And I'm certain, even though we haven't dug into it, that we have different political views and certainly different views on religion. I respect their views. And, um, and I gather they respect mine because they decide and said, Hey, we need you to really get into going to church or something like that, you know, but if they want to go to church and they want to, that's, that's how they live their lives. Good for them. And anybody who would mess with that, I'd be totally against it. Even if it's not my personal belief system. All right. There it all is. Uh, another edition of questions from the audience is in the book. Thank you to the home for sponsoring our studios, Mark Hanna of evergreen wealth strategies for presenting our guests and questions from the audience. Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at uh, Highway 270 and the Washington Elizabeth exit. Seth Goldcamp and Design Air Heating and Cooling for the sponsor of our videos on social media. If you haven't listened to Ozzy Smith this week, highly recommend it. Rizzuto last week. Have Frank Opinion and blues broadcaster John Kelly coming up. And also James Carlton of the James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency online at carltoninsurance.net. 314-961-4800. 314-961-4800. James Carlton and his outstanding team at Carlton Insurance. Recommend them to you. Our audience, go online at carltoninsurance.net, whether it be for term life insurance, whether it be for your home, for auto they do all of the switching of the paperwork for you so you don't have to do it. And once you're in business with them, I'm telling you, you will be incredibly happy that you made the switch. James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. All right. Looking forward to bringing you more guests. Always enjoy your questions. Hope you enjoyed this one as well. You can email me anytime. Any feedback, Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.